0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 858 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning to begin a new week. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. Today's show will be a conversation that I had with Ben Pfeiffer of the Prep2Pro MBA Draft podcast and various other places on the internet. It's actually part one of two with Ben, which we got into uh, on part one anyway, some trade-down candidates for the Hawks, some mid-to-late first-round guys that are definitely worth considering if the Hawks were to trade back in this class. Also, in the conversation on today's podcast is some late second-round options for the Hawks, considering that Atlanta does have the number 50 overall pick, so there is plenty to discuss in that realm, and Ben was gracious enough to give me more than an hour, so that's split up into two parts. You will hear part one momentarily, In terms of news, there isn't much to report, actually, which is a, a nice refreshing change in some ways because there'll be a lot to come downhill in the future. The only thing that actually happened since the last time we recorded the podcast was very, very late into the night on Thursday into Friday the MBPA had an official announcement confirming all of the reporting on the agreement that the uh, two sides came to with regard to the starting point of the season being on December 22nd. Still not certain on everything else at the time of this recording on Sunday evening, but we're looking forward to financial agreements, um, escrow stuff, et cetera, scheduling, but we're all coming down the pike at this point as we discussed on Friday's podcast. So that's the latest on that. Nothing else really broke over the weekend with regard to actual you know, Hawks news or NBA news. So there you go on that. I want to remind you real quickly now to subscribe to this podcast. If you have not already done that, if you already have, thank you so much for going ahead and doing that. Also leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the podcast. But in recent days, we've been talking about the NBA draft a ton. In fact, we've been talking about the draft for a long, long time now. Of course, the Hawks were not invited to Orlando as part of the uh, bubble, so it's basically been a draft-centric podcast for six-plus months now, and even before that, quite frankly. So it's something that I'm definitely passionate about. If you're a new listener to the podcast, you may not know that, but if you are, there you go. Um, In fact... There's all kinds of NBA draft content still sort of evergreen on the archives of this podcast. Um, Not everything is evergreen, but I think most of it actually is, especially the draft stuff for this year, because not too much has changed. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. All kinds of great guests joining me. Also, Brian Schroeder and I talked about all kinds of uh, lottery lottery picks uh, in the recent days. With a different show on every single player, basically in the top ten to twelve. And uh, Brian, we have actually recorded that already, but we'll have two or three more with Brian in the near future. So if those who have been, if you've been enjoying that, uh, I will have more of those in the near future as well, as well as as well as all kinds of free agent content. We've already had discussions about different intriguing prospects with people that are experts on them, from Anthony Irwin to Fred Katz, Adam Morris. Uh, Greg Wissinger, etc. All kinds of stuff on free agency as well. That'll be coming very, very quickly after the draft. So please keep it locked to this podcast. And thank you very much for joining us on today's show. Okay, before we get to Ben Pfeiffer, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, when we we come back from this break, it'll be myself and Ben Pfeiffer talking about the NBA draft. I am joined now by Ben Pfeiffer. And it's been a little while since we have been on the podcast. Welcome back, my friend and uh, the draft cycle continues.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, always a joy to, to come on and, and talk basketball or draft or whatever on, on this on this fine podcast.
0: It's it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've had people that have repeated in this cycle, but you are the first person that I've had on to talk about sort of broad draft things again that I actually had on after the shutdown. So you and I talked in like early April, <laughs> and yeah. it feels like it's been two years, but it's actually only been seven months. It was really months. only April. That's yeah, crazy. It was April when we talked on this podcast, and uh, not a whole lot has changed, but at the same time, people won't remember what we talked about, yeah. and uh, you know, different topics and different things, so I appreciate you doing this.
1: Oh, Of course. I, I'm always around, uh, especially nowadays. Uh, distraction is good, even if this class is less of a distraction than it could be.
0: Absolutely, and uh, by the way, I've already said this before, but Ben is uh, one of the co-hosts of the Prep to Pro podcast, which I wholeheartedly endorse listening to if you're a draft fan, so... Put that out there at the beginning here.
1: Appreciate it as always.
0: Um, so I want to I want to dive in and we'll we'll bob and weave here a little bit. But I want to start by asking you sort some, some nerdy stuff. So I want to start in the second round actually, and because I've not done a ton on this recently anyway, the Hawks have this pick at fifty, and they might they might sell it, they might trade it. I'm not married to fifty only being the concept here, but I do want to talk about some guys who could be available in the back half of the second round, some hidden gems, etc. We don't know who's going to be available. But if I throw that out there to you and ask you, you know, at 50, let's say for the Hawks, what's a good outcome? Like, who's who's like the first player that pops in your head that would be like a great Hawk guy that's re- reasonable in that range?
1: Ah, uh, it's, it's really not a good second round. Like, like, there's just, like, not, like, Max and I have talked about this on my pod. Like, think about, like, how many second rounders would you, like, go to bat for that are actually going to go, like, late or mid-second? And there's not that many, like, especially, like, compared to last year where I think there was, like, quite a few fun second rounders. Um, The first one that always comes to my mind as, like, the dream is, is Killian Tilly. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I figured, I figured you'd see you'd that one coming. Um, yeah, Um, like, just the gist of Tilly, like, a, a lottery talent. That could go undrafted because of like very recurring and serious injuries uh, dating back to before his Gonzaga career. That could honestly like like make him like never an NBA player. And like if that's the case, and like NBA teams know that, then obviously like good to avoid him. But on the off chance that Tilly like only plays like 60 to 80 games, um, a second round pick for like 60 of 80 games or t- of killing Tilly is like 60 or 80 games of uh, a playoff contributor uh, on a rookie on a second round rookie deal. Um, just like a perfect modern big man, um, elite big man, shooting, uh, passing, the, the decision making like just so good. Um, the handle is advanced for his size. Um, defensively, not as mobile as he once was because of the the injuries, but still plus mobility, I'd say, for his position. Um, in size, and then just you know, such a smart communicator and rotator. Though he's not like he's not huge and, and he's not super strong, but that's just not as big of a deal now. Nowadays, when you don't really have to defend like Embiid or or, or Towns or or uh, Jokic every night, um, so Tilly is just like the dream. Um, he's kind of like he fits everywhere. Um, there, I think this draft like is like a theme of this draft is like really specific fit prospects. Uh, Tilly is certainly not one of those. Um, there's like not, there's not a roster that couldn't find uh, a strong use for Killian Tilly. So he's like the dream, uh, for pretty much any second round team. Um, maybe one that's like also kind of falls into that boat, but is a little more like Atlanta specific is Nate Hinton, um, out of Houston. Uh, he's kind of like a six foot five, four, which is problematic, (laughs) but, um, like if if he shoots, and which I think is certainly not out of the question since he's been a good spot up shooter uh, throughout his college career. I don't, I don't have the numbers, but he's like it, it's pretty solid. And the free throw percentage isn't broken or anything. Um, he's a really like potentially special team defender. I think um, where like he he like his range and ground coverage and just general instincts on the backside are kind of unreal. Like he'll just fly in for some unbelievable blocks. Um, and that like couples with like the thing that everyone hears about him is like the really wonky incredible rebounding. Like he's a six foot five wing with a 22 defensive rebound, 20, 22 defensive rebound percentage. Um, that's like insane. Um, and then like yeah, I mean Hinson, um, the the man defense is pretty solid as well, and and the rebounding uh, just adds on to his defensive value. Um, he's like a really really good prospect. Um, like a, a prospect that I have like in my first round. That's that very well could could go undrafted. Um, I, yeah, I mean like among six foot five guys, that that defensive rebounding, rebounding percentage is, like super elite. Um, I mean same with his offensive rebounding as well. I mean again like offensively there isn't much there, which is why like there, there's worry with him. But I think if he shoots like he might like I tend to be wary of these like wing forward types that are like really good defenders but don't have enough offense to be fifth starters because like you really need to do quite a bit to be a fifth starter on a good team like I I fell into that trap I think with a guy like Daquan Jeffries though I do think he could still be good I I have faith in Daquan but I think I fell into that trap a little bit I think that's why like I'm a little more cautious on Hinton than I think I would have been last year but still like at the shot followers there's a little bit of handling and like one dribble pull-up game he's not like a total black zero on offense um yeah I mean he's like an awesome and and I think he you know, he really helps the the Hawks and fix their, you know, wing team defense need that they're, they're just starting to plug, but definitely can use more of. I mean, any team can use more competent defensive wings, especially on rookie deals. So those are the two that, like, immediately come to mind for me.
0: It's actually funny. Those guys are both on my list. I'm, I'm sure you're not surprised by that. Um, no, no. There's a couple names that I'm not sure. In fact, I probably guess don't get to 50. But also, if you look at Intel boards, it wouldn't be crazy that I get asked about a lot. One is Isaiah Joe, who I know you guys talk about a lot in your podcast because he's in like in the late 40s on the two like the, on the athletic and the yeah, on ESPN. Boards.
1: I think ESPN is like ESPN tends to be the one that I like. The only one that I really think of is like super reliable, and he's 48. I think there's not a chance he goes that low. Yeah, I don't um, either.
0: But I mean, I, I, if you, you can sort of allow yourself to dream if you're a
1: Hawks fan because that, that's a yeah, guy who you take that automatically. Be, 50. I, mean, I have I Isaiah Joe in my top 20. Like, I think, I think he's in a very, very good prospect. Um, like he, I, I think his upside is, is really underrated. I like I see him as like more of an upside. I think he kind of gets a bill as like a plug and play three and D ish type because, you know, of, like, the, the shooting is going to be a leap, you know, despite whatever the 34% from three um, his, his sophomore season. That just, like, doesn't matter uh, with, like, his volume and, like, shot versatility. You know, shot 275 threes um, in 26 games. Like, <laughs> that's unbelievable. He, he's going to be a great shooter. But, like, I'm really worried about his frame. Um, like, He might just, like, not be, like, big enough to actually, like, stay on an NBA floor, or at least not in, like, a starter, like, even, like, high rotation player capacity. Um, Like, if he can't, like, like, dribble towards the rim at all... And, like, he's a good point of He's a good college man defender, I think, because, like, he's a good screen navigator and he's got good lateral mobility. Yeah, I, I think he's a really good team defender as well. Uh, my co host Max likes to call him discount dev for, um, because he does have some of the cell like stuff with his team defense, even if it's not nearly as refined or, or, or just as good. But yeah, I, I think there's a real chance, like, he's just, like, totally overwhelmed on both sides because of that strength. And, like, um, which is why I think like the f- the floor is a little lower than most people believe, but I think the ceiling is really there because he like le- has like legit off dribble stuff, um, like with some space creation and some pocket passing, and like I, I don't think the handle is terrible, um, or nor is the burst. It's just like compounded by being so so weak. It's kind of like. Lamelo in that way, where like not like not in the way where the handles aren't comparable, but like in the way that like Lamelo is hindered because he just so weak and gets bumped off of his spot on every drive. Uh, like Isaiah Joe is like that as well. Um, yeah, I mean I love Isaiah Joe. I think he's like a top twenty guy, and I just like there's no way he falls to fifty. But, like if he did, like <laughs> that would be unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think that my general rule is somebody that uh, somebody in my top thirty usually falls to fifty. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's, that's, that's always going to happen, happen. I mean, but maybe. like,
1: yeah, like, like, like 46, 47, 48 last year was Talon Horton Tucker, um, Iggy Brasdakis and Terrence Mann. And then like 44 was Bull Bull and like 45 were, I, was Isaiah Roby. And those are like five guys I had in my top 35 that all fell like to like late seconds. So like yeah. I suppose it could happen.
0: I just feel like I mean you can't you can't you can't project who it's going to be, which is the hard part about that. But somebody usually falls too far. Like the Anthony Mountain got to like forty six or whatever it was. It was yeah. some absurd thing like that. It usually happens in that way. I just don't know who it's going to be, and you don't want to dream too big. And again, the Hawks could just move the pick and all that stuff. But uh, the other guy that I wanted to at least ask you about, and I don't I actually don't, I actually don't know how you feel about this guy, um, which is weird because I usually listen to everything that you guys put out and know what you're going to say. But um, this is a guy who I've seen quite literally like 40 spots apart on different people's boards. And that's Paul Reed. Paul Reed is 53rd right now on ESPN's board. And I've, I've seen and heard Paul Reed. I think John Hollinger has him in, in, in his top 20 and it's like, okay, what is Paul Reed supposed to be? He's this weird defense first guy from DePaul. Where are you on the Paul Reed thing? Because if you look at the Intel boards, he's like maybe an option in that range, but some people like him a lot, apparently.
1: I don't really like Paul Reed, but I think at 50, it's a pretty solid swing. Um, My main concern is just, like, what on earth does he do on offense? Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, Like, I I think he's not going to shoot, at least not soon, besides, like, the jumper being wonky. Like, my bigger concern is that he just, like, doesn't take threes and, like, isn't great at free throws. Um, Like, like the shooting, I don't think it's, like, a totally lost cause as a shooter, Um, but, like, he's not, like, precious, but um i think he probably is gonna be like a long shot and then like there's like a little bit of like handling and like some passing that's probably mostly non-functional um at the next level like w- w- like li- like he's not big enough to be like a traditional like dunker spot kind of four. he's he- he's not a stretch for um like like he's not like a playmaking hub for so like what is he um defensively i definitely think there's some intrigue he's like kind of reckless like, obviously, like, the 9.5 block rate, 3.5 steal rate, like that, like, that, that's all ridiculous. Um, he's, like, a very legit playmaker, but he's also, like, really, really reckless and just kind of, like, flies around, and that just, like, generally doesn't translate. Um, like, that's the thing that's, that works in college that's just not going to work in the NBA when, when teams and offenses and, de- and decision makers are so much better and can, and can punish that recklessness and kind of, like, flying around without thinking. Um, so I don't really like Paul Reed very much. I do think there's like some intrigue, and I think he's certainly worth a second-round pick. And if the Hawks got him at 50, I wouldn't dispute that. I mean, that's kind of the range that I have him in my board. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really concerned about what the offense at the next level looks like, um, and like where the offensive upside comes from. Because like I don't like really just I don't I just don't see that much for like really projecting. Um, like like he was a guy I liked quite a bit preseason, who just like more and more like I just realized like. I don't know how this guy stays on an NBA floor um, and like isn't like run off the floor in the playoffs, at, like at his at his peak or like in high leverage moments. I mean, I, th- I think he could be like a pretty okay rotation big, um, which with the 50th pick is solid. Um, at his like at his heights, so, but like, yeah, I'm I'm not huge on Paul Reed. So
0: yeah, that sounds all reasonable, and I'm someone who. Listeners know, I'm sure that I like defense a lot, but at the same time, you can't just be a zero in offense. That's the thing. Um, I can like defense all the think much as I Hawks, want to. But. I,
1: mean, I think the Hawks probably was probably one of his better realistic landing spots. I agree, like,
0: actually, <laughs> just because yeah. you can get away with a little bit more when you have the offensive theoretical ceiling the Hawks do have. And defensively, yeah. he could do a lot of things, but um, also a guy that I would probably guess is not available at 50, but certainly could be there.
1: Oh, I want to I ask you about think go ahead. He's going to end up. Actually, I mean he's one that I like you said is kind of all over the place all
0: over the place I mean to be fair to the people that have him really high I have talked to at least one team that I know has him as a first round pick it's just one team but it's you never know I think
1: I think the physical tools are gonna like kind of be too enticing for him to fall that far like you just like see those physical tools guys like always go like if you look at like the like the back end of like even last year's first round, it's like Jalen hands, like Jordan bone, Kyle guy, like Mario Shayok, Justin Wright Foreman, like it, like, like the physical, tool, all of the guys with like interesting physical tools always go high or often higher than they should. It's so like, I don't think he falls that far, but that I, t- I to tend point. to agree.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. That, that's well said. Uh, oh, I, I want to ask you about one more guy before we move on. And that is a personal favorite of mine. And that's Tyshawn Alexander. I like Tyshawn Alexander probably too much. I have him in my top 40, how do you feel about him um both in general and uh, how it might work in atlanta cuz he's been a guy that i've had circled for a while
1: he's also a personal favorite of mine i like had him in my top 40 at one point um he's not like super far off for me but i'm like not as into tyson alexander as i used to be i mean i, I still have him in like the mid 40s um i just like get a little more worried about like the defense which i was like initially like crazy high on um there's like he's like kind of like more of a specialist and i think sometimes Um, He gets credit for, I think, like, more often than I gave him credit for, because, like, he does get, like, burned more than he should at the point of attack, and his, like, rotations aren't probably as good as they should be for uh, a prospect of his age. But, like, what he does well, he's, like, incredibly lead at, and that's, like, an off-screen defender, Um, just, like, like, the lateral mobility, I think, against, like, smaller guards, um, and that's gonna be good. I think like as he adds muscle and just like grows, I think he's probably gonna be a really good guard defender. And like with with the rise of like off screen bombers, like he's a guy who you can probably like like assuming Tyson Alexander like makes the league and it develops and pans out, like he's probably a a, pr- a player you can throw on Duncan Robinson and just chase him around all game and give him a hell of a time. Like that's that's kind of like the idea of Tyson to me is like a special like like a specialty defender that isn't gonna have like like, total, total vacuum utility, but, like, is very useful in some situations. And that's not to mention that, like, he is a very good shooter. Um, I mean, he should be, like, uh, a solid, like, pull-up shooter, off-movement, mostly spot-ups, but, like, I think there's some versatility there. I mean, he's a good decision-maker, um, has some secondary passing chops, just, like, never going to be, like, a slasher or a finisher. But, like, that's never going to be his role. Like, he's like offensively, he's just going to be, like, spot-ups, maybe, like, some, some basic off-movement, um, and then, like, some secondary passing for him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think like the value of like a six-four combo that's like not that special like is, is can be disputed. Like, I wouldn't like I would get it if you had Tyshon kind of low for that reason. But he does have some special skills that, uh, like I said, I, I think like he'd pair really well with Trey. Um, I mean, just like any defensive guard, I think pairs well with Trey really. Um, but like, cause like he like he's not an advantage creator, but like he won't need to on the Hawks. And I think like the Hawks. Are just like don't have like aren't gonna have that defensive guard specialist, um, and I think Tyshawn, like could be that guy. I mean, I would certainly think Tyshawn at fifty would be an excellent pick. Like I'd love that.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Not not that I'm over the moon. You don't have to trade up or do anything crazy for him. But if they they just sit there and take yeah, a guy. he's that not I a like. guy
1: like you have to have. But I right. think he's like definitely a luxury if you can get him
0: yeah he's been a a try you know try to be reasonable and find a guy who is likely or maybe semi likely to be there that you like and he's on he's been on my list for a while so I wanted to throw that out there um okay Ben before I transition and ask you about some other guys a little bit higher in the draft, i want to stop for a second here from our sponsors on today's podcast all right ben uh this is an interesting one because it's not something that may happen, but people have been asking me for a while what happens if the Hawks trade down, there's been all kinds of talk about trading up or trading out, but I have been an advocate of trading down in a vacuum uh, for value in this class. Um, But I haven't always talked about like the players who are available in that range. And you know, the mid first round is not a spot where the Hawks currently have a pick, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't, I'm not like projecting a, 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 an exact Mm -hmm. trade, but if the Hawks were to go down to like, you know, 12 or 14 or 16 or whatever you want to say, I want to ask you about a couple guys that maybe be on that maybe would be in that range that you would like for them. One of them I'll get out of the way now that I know you like a lot more than this but maybe available in that range is Tyrese Maxey. I know you rely were higher out. on him um but generally speaking I'd be pretty surprised if the Hawks took him at 6. So I want to talk about him now because I know you probably would consider him at 6 but
1: I take, would absolutely take him at six.
0: Yeah. So if they were to trade back to, you know, 12, 14, 15, whatever it's going to be, and that's a more realistic range from what we have all seen intel wise. Yeah. Uh, I know you like that fit. So is that like a number one awesome target for you if they were to do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of like realistic trade down targets, <clears throat> that's like he might like he's probably number one <clears throat> on my list, assuming like, you know, uh, I-, I think he's just like a perfect fit with Trey. Uh, Tyrese Maxey. Not an advantage creator. I mean, his weak isolation scoring, pick and roll, pick and roll craft, um, pick and roll passing. Like those are just th- the big weaknesses with him, and like what makes him not a primary. But not every team needs a primary. Uh, uh, the Hawks are one of those. Um, they have their offensive engine of the future, um, but don't really have that that long term secondary creator. Um, I don't really think there's anyone on, on the roster that has a chance of being that. To be honest, I, I think Tyrese Maxey very much does. I think on on both sides of the ball, he's a perfect fit with Trey, who probably creates uh, wider advantages than almost every than than many primary engines in the league. I mean, with his vertical spacing and just the the extent to which he bends defenses with his range. So Maxi will have loads of space to attack off the catch. Some secondary pick and rolls off of attacking closeouts, um, some motion. I mean, the, the the decisiveness attacking off the catch, coupled with the burst and the strength and the touch and the balance in his floater game, it's all just tantalizingly great. Um, you know, just imagining him attacking off of of, of Trey's uh, mm-hmm. initial initial attacks. So offensively, I think it's a dream fit. Defensively, also as well, like talking about like a, a guard defender to insulate Trey. I think a problem like like he's like of like there's like a lot of pretty good secondaries in this range uh Kyra Lewis Cole Anthony uh even RJ Hampton I think uh maybe Halliburton if you think of him like that but none of them are really projected to be good defenders to me except for Maxie, who I think is going to be a pretty good guard defender both on and off the ball so that's just another you know just adding to the to the Hawks um collection of defensive players um ideally you probably you know long term for Atlanta you're you're wanting to throw out um, four plus defenders next to Trey Young um, at, you know, pretty much for as much of the game as you can. Uh, and Maxi gives you that without sacrificing any offense. Um, I don't really think, you know, if the Hawks like are looking for someone who can run their offense, Sans Trey, I don't really think Maxi is ever that guy. Maybe in spurts uh, as he develops, but probably not. But again, um, at this range in the draft, you're just like not going to find that guy. And even if you want to, like, I'd say someone like Cole Anthony might have more upside to be that. But Maxi just gives you so much more and is so much more additive next to Trey that I think it's just kind of a no brainer.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he's a guy that I talked about a lot more early on at six or, you know, pre lottery before realizing that Intel wise, and there's just no one that f- seems to think that's going to be a consideration of him going that high. I'm, I'm not really sure why, but he, he has fallen to this range where I'm just not have, thinking it's going to happen views. at six.
1: I mean, it's just like the, the three point percentage being bad. And yeah, there, I, I there are
0: questions on paper for sure. I just, I'm a little bit surprised that I've not heard or even seen him go in the top 10 really in a long time. Yeah. Anybody's? See that. yeah. So it's just interesting to me. Uh, and I knew you were talking about, I know you want to talk about him any, anyway, probably. So I brought that up. The other guy that's super obvious, uh, is Devin Vassell because we talk about him a lot at six, but same sort of thing—not not as but not as far as Maxie. But if you look at Intel boards, Vassell's usually like a late lottery pick, um, and not really in play necessarily at six. I, I talked to Jonathan Wasserman earlier, and I think he doesn't. See, this, see the same thing about you know Vassell doesn't seem to be in play at six. Maybe the Hawks will just take him or some, maybe somebody else will. But in general, the league seems to be a little bit lower on Vassell. Um, I know you like him a lot as well. Is that somebody that would make a lot of sense? Especially if they went down to like, for instance, there's a popular target of like Phoenix going up to get somebody at six or something like that. If they go down to 10 or 11, Vassell would be a sweet spot, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I think Vassell at like it, like Vassell at six would be like my dream because, like, like, Lamello and Edwards aren't going to fall, and I don't think they take Killian. Oh, yeah. So, like, Vassell, like, I'm crazy high on Vassell. Like, I absolutely love that guy. Just a fan. You know, i probably, like, one of the highest people out there on him as a prospect. Yeah, he's, like, kind of a dream fit in Atlanta as well, I think. First of all, just, like, fixes your wing team defense hole immediately. Um, like... Cam Reddish is a, a pretty good team defender and I think projects to be one in the future. Uh, I've got my questions about DeAndre Hunter, as you know. Um, <laughs> I do know Devin, v- Devin Vassell, um, zero questions as an off-ball defender. Um, just incredibly generational in his ground coverage and his range and his ability to just swoop in um, from the weak side and get blocks and steals and front the post and just do all of the little things too, like digs and stunts and closeouts. It's also special. Uh, on, on the ball, he's, you know, meh, but, like, the Hawks don't really need him to do that. Uh, and then offensively, like, I think the, I mean, the main reason I think I'm higher on him than consensus is just because I buy the offensive upside more than a lot of people do. Um, I mean, I, I, I think he's going to be a fine spot-out shooter, and that's really all the Hawks would need him to be. But I think he's potentially a guy who can actually generate some offense uh, next to Trey, which, again, we, they need, um, mostly in the form of, of tough shot-making. Where like just just like statistically he's kind of on a path like he's on the same path path excuse me as a lot of former college wing forwards who didn't who weren't great three point shooters per se but or pull up three point shooters or pull up sh- three point shot creators but became ones down the road um his you know long two. His, you know, long pull-up two proficiency, uh, you know, 50 makes, uh, 42.6%, is kind of akin to like the Kawhi and Middleton and Tatum and Siakams of the world um, based on their college efficiency. So I think there's definitely a world where he just kind of becomes like a dynamite, difficult shot difficult shot maker um, at a ceiling. And then I think if that comes, the, the passing will look better because the passing just doesn't really have a place to shine when he's so limited with his burst and, and his strength at the college level. Um, and it's obviously at the NBA level. Um, but I, I think that's like an avenue for Vassell to like hit star level value or close to it on offense while having all league value on defense. Like, that's a really, really good player if, if he hits. So, yeah, I mean, Vassell for Atlanta, kind of a dream fit to me. Like, I don't, like, care what you do with, like, all of the wings. Like, fit in Vassell. Just, like, run. Just, like, run. I, I think, like, a Reddish, Hunter, and Vassell would just kind of be comical. Like, um, and I think that, like, you know, despite, like, my thoughts on them, I think their skill sets actually overlap nicely. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I was going to say. I know you're
0: higher on his offense than I am, but I do think that his offense can certainly work and the plug-and-play ability. I would, I would definitely yeah. consider him at six. Yeah, I'm mean, with um, Trey. You don't only really
1: need that much offense out of your wings anyway. Like, just be, um, able, to, just be, able, to, be able to make shots.
0: I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we saw that. We saw that. Things. We saw that last year. The the biggest problem with the Hawks' offense was that no one made shots. Other than other than Kevin Herter and John Collins no one else in the rotation from young guys to old guys last season made any open threes. And cause Trey creates open threes for everyone all the time. Um, and yeah, yeah bare minimum
1: make open shots. And uh, I ben think Vassell over. is going to hit open shots. Son. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the natural question I
0: have it. to ask you is, are you, know, the weird, the weird video thing. Do you worry about that at all? about I, his I, shot?
1: I don't, I don't care about it. Like, I think that's the dumbest thing is people freaking out over two shots in an empty gym. Yes. That, that release. Um, it wasn't pretty, but like, <laughs> it was not. It, but like it was two shots, two. And like, we don't know anything about like the context of that workout. Like maybe he was trying out uh, a tweak for that day or maybe just like he was doing something for a shooting drill where he was, you know, adjusting a set point or something like, and there is like nothing to take away from that to me. Like if it's like actually like broken and, and they like Mikhail Bridges him, like I will be forever angry but until we see that happening, like uh, I'm not going to be concerned that I'm not going to price that in just because like there is not nearly enough evidence to, to kind of make me worry at all. Like, I, I'm I, with okay, you. Like, I, I think, just want to make I sure that
0: we said it out loud because uh, it was not great. But also, you know, people wanted to just like cross them off, and I'm, I'm yeah, not. I mean, pe- do that. people just like w- want things
1: to react to, and like I understand. It's that. a long cycle. It's a long. Exactly, long cycle. we're we're all starved for for like <laughs> new, like relevant, salient information on these prospects. Um, but yeah, like don't don't overreact to two shots in an empty gym and two shots that went in. By the way, yeah, that's um, funny. Not that not that that matters to, to anything, but they. For posterity's sake, they
0: went in. They did go in. Um, okay, well, those, those two guys were those two guys were the very obvious ones that I knew we were going to talk about. Now, um, beyond Maxi, beyond Vassell, again, the theory is that they go down to ten or below. Guys who they could get um, and talk about and at least look at. Um, I'll, I'm going to throw some names at you that I've at least thought about or seen or been asked about, and that's of course like guys like Poku, uh, Pat Williams, maybe Josh Green. If they were to go down far enough, maybe Desmond Bain, who I know you love. Um, I I am not super thrilled about guys like Aaron Newsmith, but he's someone I get asked about a lot. Um, you, don't have to, you don't have to give me huge depth on all of these guys, but um, give me a few options that you would like and that you wouldn't like for the Hawks if they were to stay in that top 15 range.
1: Yeah, I pretty much agree with like everything you said there. I mean, as I'm sure you expected, I would. like. I Like all of the first couple guys you mentioned, I think – Um, Poku is, like, really intriguing. Uh, it kind of, like, is a fit that, like, makes sense to me and doesn't. Because, like, um, the Hawks aren't gonna, I think, I think the best, Poku's best use on offense is, like, a jumbo wing who, like, sprints off movement all the time. And I don't know if the Hawks are going to want to commit to doing that. I don't like I like Poku. I have him in like my top seven, but I don't like him like at, at Some people who have him at like two because I just don't buy the the, the high end offensive upside that some seem to. Um, I mean I, I think his ceiling is certainly high and it's probably like the second or third highest in the class if if we're being frank because he's an 18 year old with like very special offensive skills. Um, I, I think his best usage is like a, like like a three like an off screen bomber. Um, run some secondary pick and rolls is going to be like a monster in transition. Uh, I think, like I, I, again, like I'm just because he's definitely not a big, I think to me, offensively or defensively, um, which, is so crazy, like, mean, which
0: is crazy, which is crazy given his size. But I, yeah, I tend to agree with all. you. Like you have to yeah. think about him. Like maybe becoming sure a big at some point, but he's not really a big he's
1: now. <laughs> going to do in Atlanta on offense? Because I think if you're just like making him a spot up shooter, that's like a waste of his skill set. But like at the same time, if you have a prospect like Poku with the potential to be as unique and, and talented and impactful as he is, maybe you just take him and figure it out. Um, so I'm certain I'd certainly be sympathetic to that. Like I wouldn't like hate that pick at all. And I mean defensively, I think he's also kind of like like a, a team fit where like I don't really know what he is like weak side playmaking for, but like that's kind of exactly what Atlanta needs. Um, it's like someone who can make plays defensively Um, like he is like a dang good dang special defensive playmaker with like range and instincts at age 18 still for another month
0: (laughs) Um, it's it's a very big swing but at a certain point I I mean I'm on record as saying that I wouldn't take him at six I think it would be defensible if they did but I I wouldn't personally
1: do it Um, I would just think they're I mean like they're almost certainly to me would be better options but, like, if someone did take him at six for the Hawks, I'd be like, I totally understand why you do that.
0: That's like, kind of how I am, too. I, I think it would – I would not come on the podcast that night or the next morning and criticize it. I would I just no, I
1: certainly understand that. And I honestly – I mean, it, it would certainly be a fun pick. Like, it,
0: it would be a lot of fun. The Hawks uh,
1: have a lot of work to do with him developmentally. I'm just, like, not sure with their timeline is the best deve- developmental situation for him. Um, but, like, certainly it's not the worst. And, you know, playing with Trey is good for basically everyone's offensive development in some ways. And I think, like, with a player as as good as Poku um, and an offensive coach as good as Lloyd Pierce and, uh, yes, a defensive coach as good as Nate McMillan. Um, shout out, Nate McMillan. <laughs> If there's any coach in the league that can get Pokery to play defense, it's Nate freaking McMillan. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, I, for, I, I, I forget sometimes that you're a Pacers enthusiast. Yeah, so. I,
1: a big, yeah. I haven't, like, followed him as closely as I did in the past just because of time and stuff. But I am a Nate McMillan defender. Uh, I think he's, a, a, like, uh, not an elite coach, but certainly a good one. Um, certainly maybe the best defensive coach in the league, or at least up there. Um, I think he's going to get the most out of everybody defensively. And, like, they're, like, specific – teams that, like, I, like, prefer prospects to, like, just because of, like, coaching staffs, like, I, like, want all of, like, the questionable shooters to go to, like, New Orleans or Miami or Boston, like, and now I'm going to want, like, all of the questionable defenders with, like, interesting tools to go to Atlanta. It's
0: like, <laughs> there you go. That's a... Or, like, uh, Philly, now,
1: Philly now with with Dan Burke. Of course, like, the Pacers lost their, like, two best defensive coaches. That's, right. That is what it is. It's,
0: so. a, it's a ringing endorsement. Oh, um.
1: Yeah, Nate McMillan is awesome.
0: He is. I I, I like that Especially. move. I like that move a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, the other guys. I feel like, you know, Neesmith's a guy I get asked about a lot. I think I like him more than you do, but I also am not overwhelmed by the Aaron Neesmith experience. Like, I think at a certain point it would, it, would, it would be fine, late lottery. It wouldn't blow me away. Um, Pat Williams, I do like, and that would be a guy that I would target if they were to trade down. Absolutely. Um, and Josh Green is someone who is really interesting. I feel like he has huge fans and then people that just don't like him, he's very good at all. And he's that, really
1: divisive. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I, and I see it because the offense is kind of a mess. Uh, for me yeah I'll quickly
1: touch on all those yeah, I think that. like I don't have much I think Neesmith like my problem with him is like he's like gets like the plug-and-play 3 and D label when to me he's like very much not that or at least like he can be that but that's like very much a waste of his skill set like if you're drafting like a special movement shooter in the top 15 like you better like run him off 10 screens a game and get him 10 threes a game like I just don't think the Hawks are going to be willing to do that. Like, nor should the Hawks like 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 give ten Trey possessions to Neesmith. Yeah, like, scheming out Aaron Neesmith. Um, right. Yeah. Like that. Like that won't be, and it shouldn't be a priority for for Atlanta. Um. And I think like reducing Neesmith to a spot up shooter. While yes, he's going to be a good spot up shooter. Like you can get like Justinian Jessup to do the same thing. Like for nothing. <laughs> Um, and, and they'll probably give you comparable outputs on defense. Like,
0: see, like, I, I like his defense more than you do. I'm not saying he's going to be good yeah. defensively, but I, I can kind of no. see him being, okay. I
1: don't think he could be t- like, cause he's like six foot six and not like totally dumb and like has like a little bit of tools, but like I just don't like his mobility. I just don't think his processor is as, as good as he needs it to be like, I, like, I think he's certainly like not going to be atrocious. Like he's six foot six and, tr- and like tries. Um, like, I just like, don't think it's like good, like actively good. Like some people do. Yeah,
0: I think <laughs> I, I I'm probably in the middle of I'm, I think I'm in the middle of there. I don't think he's going to be a plus plus defender. I also think that he might just be fine. And at his size, with his reported wingspan, like if he's just fine, that's like that's not a yeah. bad thing. It's- if the
1: Hawks moves to like the 20s like and they took me smith i'd be like okay uh I and get honestly, it. he
0: won't he won't still be there i don't think i think the lead likes yeah. him more than we do uh, especially more yeah. than you do for sure um but he's just someone that i i often asked about like even as high as six at times and i'm like okay no i wouldn't do that uh but as at a certain point a yeah at, at a certain point at, you know mid mid-teens i'd probably consider it you know because you know this, but one of, one of the popular notions is Boston, which is fourteen, because Boston has I all those picks
1: and more. Honestly, but. yeah, I,
0: I, 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 it's just one of the, It's just what it is. Um, and then Patrick Williams, I feel like, has risen a ton. So I want to ask you about him specifically because yeah. he's gone. He's got he's he's sort of got some helium, and I think, like you said, with good reason. But he's a guy that people, unless you're a draft head, you really don't know a lot about him because he wasn't a famous college college player because he was he was a, he's a pure supporting piece in college didn't even start for Florida state but uh you know he's 18 and really talented
1: yeah he's really good i think he's 19 now um like like, he, he, he
0: was age, he was aged 18 yeah. he's supposed to be age 18 for the he's draft he's the youngest
1: american player in the draft yeah. and would have been 18 like he's i'm pretty sure he's like the youngest american player like unless you like consider lamelo an american prospect like yeah he's like 6 foot 8 like d- ridiculously jacked like everyone knows about like Florida State messing up his quads but like he is like a, an incredibly muscular human being especially for one that young um he's just so good at a lot of things i mean i like him on both ends but he's a defensive he's a defense first prospect to me I think he's like. Besides, like the like you always hear like the, like he can't defend the ball. Actually, I I think that's kind of a misconception. Like I like I've been on quite a few pods actually, and just like heard a lot of more casual draft fans like talk him talk about like a switch versatile wing defender when like he is like horrible on the perimeter. Like he cannot <laughs> he cannot move his hips. Like he like he just can't. But like he's a really gifted interior defender, and that's not just. Like, I talk about this a lot, that interior defense is a skill. It's not just, like, a, a collection of physical tools. Um, he's got um, a breadth of, of interior defense talent. Um, it's not just his vertical explosion or his size and length or his strength. It's his it's his timing and his consistency with, with contesting vertical and not fouling. Um, like, all of that is, is really, really advanced stuff for a prospect his age. I think as, like, a rim-protecting four, again, something the Hawks, like, very much need and could use. Um, he, he's going to be good soon on defense, and he could be a really good uh, team defender at some point in the future. Um, and then offensively, um, just, like, everything you kind of want as a modern complementary four. Uh, the shooting, it, he, his shot profile is really weird. Like he didn't take a lot of threes because of his role, I think. Like, like you said, like, like, like he was totally complementary to Florida State. He didn't play that many minutes. Like he he only played like fifty two percent of their minutes. Um, and his usage was actually pretty pretty fine, but like, um, it was more than Halliburton's, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, like like I think the shot's gonna be just fine because he's, he's like he's a good free throw shooter. He's good on long twos. Uh, he's been, like, a great pull-up mid-range shooter, like, going back to when he was, like, 16 years old playing in AAU in high school. Like, like he's always had that pull-up creation, and, like, that's, like, I think in high school there was, like, like he he, like, he, had, he had some, like, legit on-ball creation flashes, though I don't think that's really going to be what he does at all. Um, Like I said, like, complimentary four, I think spot-ups are going to be there for him. One-two dribble pull-ups I think are going to be there for him. And then, like, he displays some really ridiculous passing, like, live dribble, weak, like, skip passes to the weak side, like, just some stuff that, like, this random role player comes off the bench. Like, this 6'8", 18-year-old does some absolutely dumb stuff. And you're like, what on earth is this? Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and then, like, he's a good finisher uh, around the rim. I think he's, like, pretty pretty good, like, carving out space, like, from the dunker spot. Um, I think he could be a pretty good role man with his explosion in time. Just, like, as a complimentary four with plus defense, like, he, he's, he screams, like, star role player to me. Um, it, it's funny. I think of him, like, in a similar way to, to Danny Avdia, though their skill sets are different. There's a lot of similarities. And I think they both, like, have, like... Their, their ceiling is, like, star role player. But, though I think Pat's ceiling is higher just because of some of the creation stuff and, and the age for a couple reasons. I think Pat's a better prospect than Danny and gives you, like, all of the same things, really. But that's, like, a different... topic of, for. Besides, of, like, like Danny's passing, that's, like, a different conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Patrick Williams. I think, again, in Atlanta... Team defense, spot up shooting, um, complementary uh, wing wing four offense with I think some sneaky upside just because of how young and he, how how young he is and like some of the skills he showed pre college like I think he's he'd be a, an awesome pick I wouldn't hate him at six to be perfectly honest if you told me like again like I think there'd be better options but if so- somebody told me that they wanted to take Patrick Williams at six overall um, I would not dispute that uh, uh, not one bit but.
0: Yeah, especially, especially uh, this class. I feel like that wouldn't be crazy. I wouldn't do uh, it either, but it's...
1: I've taken him, like, five in a mock draft before, um, kind of the, to, like, the beratement of, of others. But, like, <laughs> I like him a lot. Like, I really am in, in on Patrick Williams. Like, not as, like, a star or anything, but, like, as a player, like, a fourth or fifth starter that, like, good teams need... Um, I mean uh, obviously like the Hawks uh are, like are in a better spot than like the majority of teams historically that draft high because they have their offensive centerpiece of the future which is what you need to win titles. Um so I think Patrick Williams is like a great fit. Uh like a- as a trade down target I'm I'm all for it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um well that's I think that's probably a good encapsulation of the trade down options. We are going to, in uh on-brand pro podcast fashion, wrap this up in part one. We're going to go to part two. Ben will be back with me momentarily. That We'll will, we will keep recording, but uh, part two will be up tomorrow, I assume, as you're listening to this now. Excellent. Thank you for being here, Ben. Absolutely. I, I, will, I will thank you uh, now again. So I know the drill um, with, uh,
1: <laughs> with the, with the two-parters. <laughs>
0: Two-parter here with Ben. So thank you, Ben. Uh, please follow Ben's work. We'll be back again tomorrow with more of Ben, and stay tuned, subscribe, all that stuff. We'll see you then.